0: Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Katie Martin. Today we're looking at another money laundering scandal in Europe. Last week it was Danske Bank. This week the Dutch bank ING is at the centre of allegations that it failed to spot suspicious cross-border money flows. In this report, Patrick Jenkins talks to Martin Arnold and Jim Brunsden about the latest scandal and what European regulators are doing about it. So Martin, what exactly has happened at ING? So the latest thing that's
1: happened is the ballooning money laundering scandal at ING has claimed its biggest scalp with the resignation of the chief financial officer Koos Timmermans, a 22-year veteran of the Dutch Bank who has agreed to leave the bank after a huge public and political uproar over the findings of the Dutch public prosecutor, which found massive inadequacies in the way the bank was monitoring the transactions of its clients – when in fact the prosecutor found many instances where potential criminal activity or indeed confirmed criminal activity was going on, funded through accounts held
0: at ING. What kind of thing? There's some colourful examples, aren't
1: there? Yeah, the best known example is a company called Vimplecom, which is a Russian-owned mobile phone operator One of its units in the Netherlands had an account at at ING, a Dutch account, through which it paid bribes to the daughter of the Uzbek president in return for getting licences in Uzbekistan. Wimplecom has been fined for that and pleaded guilty. But other examples include, uh, hilariously, a women's lingerie company in Curaçao, which had an account with ING and was putting 150 million euros through. So that's a lot of women's lingerie. And prosecutors suspect that there was quite a bit of money laundering going on in there and not very much women's underwear sales. Other examples, sort of similar kind of front companies include a one man building supplies company out in Suriname. And another one is a fruit and vegetable importation company that prosecutors suspect were basically fronts for money laundering. And ING systems over many years between 2010 and 2016 just didn't spot these very unusual flows of money through its accounts. And under money laundering laws, particularly a tough new 2014 law that came into force in the Netherlands, banks have the responsibility to check where their clients have got their money from, what they're using the money for, and make sure that there's no criminal activity going on in any of that.
0: Well, this is the second time in a fortnight that there's been a big money laundering scandal to hit a large European bank. We had Danske exposed as being at the heart of a $30 billion scandal involving its Estonian branch that was laundering of Russian money. Jim, let me bring you in here because two such rapid fire scandals emerging into the headlines would suggest that European policymakers are going to be nervous. What is their response?
2: Yeah, it's very interesting because this is an issue obviously which has been discussed for several months now in Brussels. It really moved very high up the agenda with ABLV Bank in Latvia when basically US authorities announced earlier this year that they thought that ABLV was involved in institutionalised money laundering, including being involved in funnelling funds to the North Korean nuclear programme. At that moment, there was this sense that a big gap had been revealed in financial supervision, really. One of the stories of the crisis has been this desire on the part of the European Union to shift responsibilities away from national supervisors, seen as being compromised by their behaviour before the crisis, to European-level authorities. And suddenly they were confronted with a situation where you have predominantly still a national responsibility and there's been evidence of a glaring weakness. As always with Brussels, nothing happens very quickly. So we then had months of discussion. There were lots of back and forth within the European Commission about what exactly should be done. To what extent do you need some kind of, of European-level coordination when it comes to enforcing anti-money laundering rules? Now, the interesting thing is that in the last week, that's accelerated markedly. So, um, around the middle of last week, we had a reflection paper, which was the result of some work done by the European Central Bank, um, other authorities, including the European Commission, basically setting out options. You know, very careful not to suggest one thing or the other, but just setting out what the various options might be. And now, within the space of a few days, we now have Jean Claude Juncker, the president of the European Commission, who will be announcing in a big set piece speech that there is going to be a substantial movement towards 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 greater European powers.
0: And Jim, that's essentially going to involve the European Banking Authority, is it? That's the umbrella body for European supervisors.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's something which is really interesting because one of the debates in Brussels has been, if we're going to Europeanise this, where should the powers go? And since quite early on in all of this, the European Central Bank has been quite clear about two things. The ECB has been saying, we think there should be an EU level agency and we don't think it should be us. They've said since very early on, they just don't see it compatible with their role as a prudential supervisor of banks, as a, as a supervisor of banks, respect for capital standards and other core financial stability rules. So that basically leaves you with the European Banking Authority. Now, the European Banking Authority has a role in all of this already because it has a responsibility for upholding EU rules. And one of the things that's driving all this now within the European Commission is actually a frustration with the EBA. And that goes back to Pilatus Bank in Malta, which is another part of this chain of scandals we've had in the past 12 months. So Pilatus is a private bank in Malta, which has become ensnared in various allegations. And the European Commission actually had to push and formally request the EBA to investigate whether there had been failings on the part of the Maltese, authorities in policing what was going on at Pilatus and that's something the European Commission can do it can make this kind of formal request under existing laws but it's left this big question mark as to why wasn't the EBA more proactive and a suspicion that it's too much a consensus driven body that it doesn't want to attack one of its own and so something that's going to be happening now is a push by Brussels to try and make the EBA a bit more aggressive give it clearer powers and a clearer responsibility to kind of police the policeman if you like and make sure that there's decent supervision at national level.
0: A final word from you Martin?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of this will come down to resources. I mean, the EBA will say, yes, well, we have had these powers in theory, but we've only had one person and a dog essentially trying to stay on top of all of this. In fact, a recent reflection paper in the EU estimated that the EBA had the equivalent of 1.8 full-time staff members working directly on anti-money laundering issues. So in order to properly stay on top of the whole of the EU banking system and trying to stop dirty money flowing through, they're going to clearly need an awful lot more resources there. And the other question is that a lot of these places like Malta, Latvia, Estonia, I mean, the Netherlands don't really have any excuse, but these smaller countries don't really have the resources equally as the national authorities. You've got to question Whether they're able to stay on top of what's going on in their banking system. And I think in many ways, Europe is catching up here with what the US have been doing for years, which is imposing fines and forcing banks to invest vast sums in improving their technology because a lot of this is about technology as well. It's very expensive technology, increasingly artificial intelligence, machine learning type technology to spot the patterns of illegal activity that's going through their systems.
0: Well, it's certainly either way a key test for the European authorities and we'll keep a close eye on it. That was Patrick Jenkins talking to Martin Arnold and Jim Brunsden. Thanks for listening. We'll be back with more news tomorrow, but in the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and you would like to discover more FT content, take a look at our latest subscription offers at ft.com offer.
2: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.